Chapter 22. Finally, the finale. On the sun-warmed lawn, Katie awoke, nestled in the fur of blue. The weather was warm, so the group chose to turn down the offer of four-poster beds in the mansion for the tranquil night's breeze, rustling through the fir trees on the lawn. Wake up, everyone! I can feel the finale. It's making my heart miss a beat. Lynx had awoken first to the morning sunrise. Up, up, up! Today, my friend, the finale will fill your hearts and minds with happiness, said Lynx, impatiently bouncing around the sleeping group. Ajax was the first to awake to Lynx's morning alarm and said, Sleeping is boring. I like starting early. The best vibe is always at the beginning, said Ajax, rubbing his eyes. True, my man, but don't forget the middle and the end. A top day has them all. Alec was awoken by a bluebird landing on his nose. Lynx shouted, Yes, my man, your princess has written back. Alec, with a look of dismay, said, I saw her yesterday going into the club. I called her name and she turned and saw me, but ignored me. She was with another man. Oh, mate, maybe he was her friend and she didn't see you, Lynx said, offering hope. Alec read aloud the note he'd written previously. Why did you ignore me? I saw you go into Polo Pink Club. She wrote, I didn't see you. Sorry, honey. I'm going to be at the finale. Maybe see you there? Katie awoke, listening to Alec read his message. Alec said, Oh, maybe she didn't see me, and she asked if I was going to the finale. That's good, isn't it? Katie said whilst yawning. Alec, I think she probably did see you, but didn't want the guy she was with to know. But... She's asked if I will be there. Is that not good? I don't know. It's hard to tell. I wouldn't get your hopes up. Alec debated with himself and came to the conclusion, I think she didn't see me and I'll write back. Alec wrote, Yes, I'll be there. We are arriving early. I can't wait to see you. Message me when you arrive and I'll come and say hi. The rest of the group was shocked awake by Edwards honking, trumpeting. Edward draped and wriggled his trunk over Betsy and Mickey, who were fast asleep, cuddling. Katie laughed a little and paused and thought, they are so cute together. Wraith held the timer up to the rising sun. The sand was settled just over the tent symbol, and he commanded, We are just over time. We need to leave. Lynx greeted Jane because she'd gracefully landed on his shoulder. She was attracted to his excitement, and he said, Yes, it started already, but we should arrive for the last warm-up acts, and by the looks of last night's rewards, we have enough to trade for entry too. The group left the now-deserted polo club in the direction set enthusiastically by Lynx. Like a compass, he was being directed by unseen magic, raving forces. The ride was energetic and fast. Ajax and Lynx were saddled on Evie, which led the way grunting and snorting, Wraith rode Blue steadily behind and Katie safely at the front. Wraith, I didn't know you could dance so well, said Katie to Wraith. Once you find the rhythm, it's like a catter to music. Why have you just decided to dance now? Because I needed to. I assumed it was part of your plan. You trust me now. Trust has to be earned and at the moment you're in credit. Katie shook her head and laughed and kissed Blue on the head and said... Such a wonderful pretty cat you are. Blue purred in appreciation. At the lip of a hill, Lynx screamed, 
the finale! And he leapt off Evie, and for all to see below, he strode backwards and forwards across the hilltop. He moved his body in a Mick Jagger-like fashion, stomping and crossing his long legs. He then marched up and down, waving his hands around, singing, Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Ajax joined in with some garage and drum and bass rapping, Manat Manat the finale, which he rapped in an exaggerated, deep voice. Katie squealed with excitement, and Wraith diligently checked the timer. The space inside the timer began to cloud over, and Wraith said, Silence! The timer is about to transmit! Katie reluctantly peered into the glass. The fog subsided to reveal an image of a hospital bed and Katie's still body. Slumped on a chair, her dad sat by her side. His beard was shabby, his face gaunt and body thin. His appearance resembled how he looked after his mother's death. He didn't eat for a week, and his brother, who had flown from Italy, forced him to the doctors. He started eating again, only because Katie was copying him. Mr Peruzzi was awoken by a young doctor, who said, I'm sorry to disturb you. I have the results of Katie's EEG readings. He paused awkwardly to wait for Mr Peruzzi to clear his eyes. They show a significant decrease in brain activity. Doctor, I want it straight. Ah, oh, the doctor awkwardly said. I'm afraid to say, Mr Peruzzi, we believe Katie's brain is dying. In response, tears gushed from his eyes and down his cheeks. He closed his eyes and with his large rugged palms, he covered both ears and sung an Italian nursery rhyme, Bata la Manine. Whilst he rocked back and forth, two sympathetic nurses drew up chairs either side. Mucus streamed from his nostrils, which a nurse wiped. He was inconsolable and unable to escape from his grief. For the first time since arriving to Festavia, Katie felt trapped. She desperately wanted to hug her father. She wanted to take away his pain. She sang too and tears splashed onto the timer glass. Betsy squeezed Katie with both her arms and pressed her face up against hers. Jane fluttered to her eye level and Mickey and Flash were strangely silent. Wraith dryly said, Once her time is gone, she leaves Festavia for good. What then, bruv? said Flash. We don't know. But from what we have witnessed, if she fails to complete the quest, she won't return to Earth. Katie's weeping made Blue's fur stand on end. Wraith stroked and flattened Blue's hair and said, The quest hasn't changed. Katie will return to Earth and the king will realise his potential. Let's get moving. How do you know that, though? said Flash in a suspicious tone. Because once Katie meets the festival organiser, she'll see her potential and wake up. Yep, he's right. The festival organiser is in that humongous party tent, making cosmic raves. He can do anything, said Lynx with pure optimism. Approaching the large tent entrance, they saw a long line snaking off into the distance, signed Trade Q. Dotted around the line were people frantically asking for tickets. They found and joined the end, which Lynx estimated was a tenth of a day's wait. Ajax pressed his hands against the canvas of the tent, which stood 60 metres tall. It's moving with the beat, said Ajax. That's because the finale tent has the best acoustics ever designed. It keeps the sound in. As they queued, many of the group began conversations with others. A variety of dialogues filled the air, but they all ended up centralising on the finale. What is it in there? Who's playing? 
when will it end? Lynx enjoyed answering most, but he couldn't answer how to meet the organiser, and nor could Wraith. Lynx captured the queue's attention again by enthusiastically talking about the best DJs in Festavia. He mesmerised everybody who listened. What I do know, guys, is Shy MDV is playing at an interlude before the main guests from Earth. I've waited all season for this. You can only see him here. The chitter-chatter made the queuing time pass quickly. Once they reached the tent's great entrance, which was wider than a city block and as majestic as a sultan's tent, they noticed a huge set of scales manned by three large upright standing green frogs with large biceps. A chirpy lady wearing a bobble hat, large wellies and a polo shirt greeted them. Hi guys, how many in your group? Wraith replied, nine, not including the animals. The animals count too, so that's twelve, the most we've had in a single group all day. I hope you have enough to trade, there's many who haven't. And she pointed to the frantic people asking for tickets. Twelve please boys, she indicated to the frogs. Have your trade ready and stand on the scales to the left. Two large wide copper plates hung in suspension, evenly suspended by two large golden chains, which hung from a wide arm balanced across a central pivot point beam. They all clambered onto the plate. Lynx, Alec and Betsy laughed and giggled. Very close and personal, Alec said, sniggering. I feel like a London underground commuter, said Wraith, not enjoying himself. Pressed up against Betsy, Alec noticed the princess had appeared holding a ticket. Princess! Princess! he shouted frantically. She turned to see him and gave a bemused look. He replied, Aha, no, it's not what it looks like. She's just a friend. That's her boyfriend there. And he pointed to Mickey. The princess nodded and blew a kiss and entered the tent. The frogs placed the two bottles from the prince and the bracelets from the polo club and the mallet and ball from Flash in the opposite plate. The scales lifted them halfway up. Disappointingly, the scales were still uneven. Katie remembered the rugby ball in the bag attached to Blue. She passed it to the frogs and it lifted them higher, but not high enough. OK, a few will need to climb down, said the bobble hat lady. Flash, Ajax and Mickey climbed down and the scales balanced perfectly. Ten of you may enter,' said the bobbled hat lady. "'We have enough for twelve, surely,' said Katie insistently. "'Sorry, you'll have to talk to the frogs. They set the scales.' Katie tried, and they riveted back. In frustration, she said, "'They're not making sense.' "'Well, they are frogs,' said the bobbled hat lady. "'If you cannot afford any more trade for the other two, the frogs will move you on.' For Wraith, it was a simple decision. He said, Right, Katie and I are going in. The others can draw straws for the remaining tickets. Wraith, I'm not going in unless everyone else does, Katie said defiantly. Even if it means your body dies on earth, Wraith said coldly. The rest of the group sided with Wraith and urged Katie to go in. Katie explained that everyone was part of her team and she needed them. The frogs without empathy frog-marched them all out of the queue. Flash said to the frogs, Give us our trade then, who ain't keeping it? The bobble hat lady ordered the frogs to do so. Standing out from the line, the disheartened group were approached by a small glitter-faced woman with her hair in two buns. She said, You can have mine, I've got three tickets. Alec replied, Thanks so much, and extended his grateful hand. 
for a fee, of course. Lynx's smile vanished, and he asked, How much? I want the rugby ball and a bracelet. That's too much. We don't have anything else to trade. I know it's a big ask, but can you gift it to us? Sorry, I'm looking to profit on these. Lynx told the group despondently that Festavia's vibe was about giving and sharing and not making a profit. The girl was part of the new wave of selfish revellers coming through. You can have my box, said a voice. The group was surprised and Katie said, Prima, oh my, we forgot you. That's awful. It's okay, I'm easily forgotten. I live in a box. Huey never failed to mention the box's high value. They went straight to the front of the queue and asked to be reweighed. They presented the box and Prima, shaking and shivering, left the box and held hands tightly with Jane. The bobble hat lady gazed at the box and said, Gosh, I think this is worth at least five. It is rare for a sing box to be empty, which means, including the extra fairy, you have another two free places. Katie beckoned two frantic ticket hunters over and said, Join us. Wraith shook his head but didn't challenge her. The group, including the two new Ticket Hunter editions, paraded through the entrance tunnel, leading into the ginormous tent. Once inside, all lost their breath. It seemed as if the whole of Festavia was under one roof. Trees stood peering through removed sections of the ceiling, which enabled them to receive sunlight. A clear river snaked from the perimeter and dropped into a small valley below. Grass was freshly cut and the foliage neatly landscaped, Illuminating vast areas were floating clouds which shimmered and changed colours. Vibrant flowers grew in clusters and some changed colour to the beat of the music. Mode paths led in all directions, giving everyone plenty of choice to start their adventure. Katie was overwhelmed with excitement. The feeling almost beat her first trip to Disneyland. Her eyes were large and her smile grew larger and larger. This is amazing, said Katie. Link's pogo sticked up and down. He felt like he was going to explode with pure excitement. All he could say was, Oi! Emotionally unaffected, Wraith consulted the timer. Time was running out. He rallied the team together and said, We need to find the organiser. We mustn't get distracted. Everyone nodded in agreement, but it was obvious to see that everyone, including Katie, wanted to party. There are several paths to choose from. We should split up and see where they lead, said Alec. Wraith liked the idea, but insisted that Katie was to stay with him. Katie responded by jumping onto Blue, and mischievously, she bounced off at high speed and down a path, shouting, Catch me if you can, Wraith! Wraith looked to Ajax, and he said, Yes, borrow Evie. She'll smell and find me later. Perching on Blue, running free with the wind blowing through her hair, she screamed, Yeah! Noticing Wraith pursuing her, she asked Blue to speed up. She liked the chase. Squeaking and oinking, Evie kept pace on Blue. At the foot of a wide towering fir tree, the path came to a sudden end. Its thick roots were littered with fallen fir cones, and a sign was neatly placed between them. It read, The only way is up, baby. Katie felt challenged, peered up. There were several long branches spiralling up into its canopy. She used to climb such trees as a child. She asked Blue to follow her along the floor below. She started to climb fast and efficiently. By the time Wraith reached the tree, she was already halfway up. Wraith stood frozen at the bottom. Come on, Wraith, can't you read? Katie, 
Get down! Ow! What was that? A soft object from above bounced off his head. I dropped a fur cone. Come on, Wraith, Katie said insistently. Wraith read the sign and began to climb. Halfway up the tree, Wraith froze. Katie looked down and said, Are you afraid of heights? Yes, the mighty Wraith has a fear. It's a rational fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. Ah! Katie screamed. Wraith, hugging the trunk of the tree, shouted, Katie! She'd slipped on some sap from her branch. When Wraith looked up, he saw that she was suspended in the air by nothing, and then miraculously she was lifted back onto her branch. Katie's heart slowed back to normal and said, Wow, that was close. Festavia is magical. You should have fallen. I've never seen such a thing, said Wraith. Ignoring Wraith, Katie climbed down to his level and said, I'm not going down, so I'm helping you up. Together they climbed to the top of the tree and saw that running through the canopy were suspended hollowed logs and inflatable rings stacked up, ready to be placed on a stream of flowing water. A water ride! cried Katie with delight. Without hesitation, Katie leapt onto a ring and shrieked. Wraith nervously followed and together they journeyed high up the canopy of the fir trees along the ride. A festive mix of trumpets and saxophones sang from the trees and followed the dinghies. Sitting up, she saw all across the vast tent. Wraith remained lying down. Birds chirped and sang in the trees and the speed of the ride was slow, which relaxed her. Katie's dinghy dropped suddenly and took several sharp twists and Katie screamed with excitement. The dinghy reached ground level and sped forward at high speed towards a blind pink misty unknown. The ride ran out of tube and at its final lip she was lifted high into the air. Airborne and blinded by the mist, she shrieked again. Splash! The dinghy dipped and ducked in a pool of water. Katie looked around to make sense of her new surroundings. The mist began to clear and the birds intensified their volume. An inflatable colour-changing lilo supporting a thin tanned man floated next to her. The man, who had a blonde quiff and was about Katie's age, remained lying casually. He raised his cocktail glass and said, Welcome to the party. Katie inquisitively asked, Are you here alone? And nice hair. Is it natural? He answered in a strong British accent, What's a party without friends? With a hand he combed his hair back and said, Natural or diet? I can't remember. And he started to sing Club Tropicana by Wham. The mist cleared and she realised she was floating in a swimming pool. Pairs of women and men wearing striped, brightly coloured bathing suits sat at the pool's edge. Moving just their torsos, they swayed perfectly in time to the beat. Soon Wraith plunged into the pool and the crowd clapped and welcomed him. Wraith quietly accepted. Miguel, two sunrise cocktails for our new friends, the tanned man said between verses. The music and atmosphere made Katie feel relaxed and happy. She saw a man wearing black shades and a pink shell suit order a pizza using a large brick-shaped cell phone. This is an 80s pool party, said Katie with an overjoyed excitement. Whilst trying to paddle his way to the pool edge, Wraith fell in. He began to flap frantically. A bronzed lifeguard in tight red swimming trunks leapt from his stall, but Katie waved no, indicating this one was hers. She backwards rolled from her dinghy and swam under the panicking wraith and safely cradled him in her arms. It's okay, I got you, she said with cheek. Wraith allowed her to swim him to safety. 
She continued to cradle him in her arms, and he felt the need to say, Katie, you can let go of me now. I've saved you. Now we're bonding, she said, giggling. Wraith shook his head and pulled himself out of the water and said, Learning to swim is still on my to-do list. A hairy-chested Miguel gave Wraith and Katie a sunrise cocktail each and warmly said to Wraith, This'll take the taste of chlorine away. Katie tasted hers and said, Miguel, this is too strong. Can you make it non-alcoholic? No problem, he answered and clicked his fingers and said, Taste it now. Katie did and replied, Perfect. That's 80s magic right there. Were you alive in the 80s? asked Wraith. No, but my mum said it was magical though. Wraith and Katie were soaking wet. The tanned man who couldn't remember his own name but liked Katie's suggestion of Jeff said he'd get their clothes dried and give them a pair of his and hers neon orange matching swimsuits. Upon returning, the crowd received them with a standing ovation and Katie took a bow. Wraith said to Katie... We must find the organiser. We're networking, Wraith. We need to find out more about him. If this ball is so precious, why would he just give it to us? Wraith paused. He didn't have an answer. You're clueless, aren't you? Have you ever been here before? I've been close, but I failed. I didn't want to tell you. I tried to help a girl like you before. We got lost within one another and her time ran out. I won't fail again. We must keep searching for him. Katie felt that Wraith was deeply hurt and said, You're acting like she didn't return to Earth. You don't know she didn't. She didn't return back through the door she came. That's the only way I can know for certain. Jeff, paddling on his lilo, returned and said, Do you know why everyone is here? They shrugged their shoulders. To be as relaxed as Frankie. And he pointed to a man lying on the cocktail bar sipping a drink. The Tropic Party is a place where you come to relax after fighting the good fight. Are the polar bears and bureaucrats menacing here too, said Wraith. The good fight is your life. When you strive for things, there's always a natural resistance, and this party is a break from it. Katie said proudly, My life is totally without resistance. Then you can't be striving for something. Just float in a stream and you float backwards. Why can't it just be like this, forever? You work, you play. Too much play means you've not worked. Too much work means you've not played. Living just in either means you've got a debt to pay to the other. What's the debt? Happiness. It's the real trade of life. Wraith sat down by the poolside and dipped his legs knee-deep in and said, Jeff, we're looking for the organiser. Can you assist us? Jeff remained laid back and sipped his drink casually and said, Everyone wants to meet that guy. He's a busy man. Catch him at the wrong moment and he'll ignore you. Ask something of him and he'll probably say not now. He sounds grumpy like my dad, said Katie. Try being him for a day and you'll understand. Where can we meet him? questioned Wraith. He's never in one place. He's always busy keeping the flame of the party alive. So he's probably where his work needs to be done, said Katie. Sounds right to me. And Jeff rolled off his lilo and swum like a golden quaffed dolphin to a stage in the middle of the pool. He was due to perform. Wake me up before you go by wham played and Katie started to dance around the pool. The lifeguard asked her to dance away from the pool and said, 
It may be the 80s, but safety comes first. And he pointed to a regular slipper, who was T-shirted, bump-head Bertie. Wraith felt a grip on his wrist. He turned and performed a martial arts wrist escape. Ninja! Whoa! shouted Lynx, and he grasped Wraith by both shoulders and said with an intense whisper, You know what we found? Wraith said, A party? Only the best 80s pool party ever! And he pogo-sticked up and down, hugging Wraith. Freeing himself, Wraith said, Lynx, we need to find where the party is dying. Lynx's face dropped and said, You're kidding! We've just got here, and you're already being boring. I've kept it quiet until now, but now I'm going to have to drop a truth bomb. Wraith, you need to lighten up. Lynx continued to rant at Wraith and ignored any interjection. By dancing in an 80s style in the line of Lynx's sight, Katie caught his attention and she said, He's right. We need to find the organiser. His job is to keep the party going. He's going to be where the party is dying. You stay here, honey. Enjoy yourself. You've helped us loads already. You need a break. Lynx tussled with himself. His long legs were striding towards Jeff and his 80s vibe, but his head remained with Katie. It's been a working season. Let's get this quest finished.